Morning, everybody. Morning, everybody. Uh, really warm welcome. Thank you very much, Joe. And thank you, Flick and Mike. That was uh, great. Uh, for those of you that don't know us, because we've had a lot of people who have uh, come on to these meetings that we've never actually met in person, uh, my name's Paul, and this is my wife, Esther. Um, we sit on the, uh, the elders and the trustees uh, of the church. We've been uh, part of Faith Life now for about 12 uh, years. We've got two boys, Noah and Jacob. Now, mercifully, and this kind of gives away the fact that we're pre-recording this, uh, they're at school right now. Uh, otherwise, they'll be around our feet. They'll be asking for biscuits because church means biscuits. Uh, and thankfully, they're not here to uh, distract us this morning. Although, but, talking of the children, we were going to thank Peter and Jackie as well, because they've doing, been doing a weekly um, video for the children and a follow-up Zoom session for the children, which if you haven't tapped into, please do. It's been brilliant. And we are so grateful to Peter and Jackie for it, aren't we? We certainly are. And uh, if you get a chance to go on those with your kids, they are absolutely brilliant. It's a combination of really good teaching, a bit of singing, complete mayhem. Uh, Peter and Jackie have done a fantastic job. So really, guys, thank you so, so much. It's these sorts of things which have been going on uh, really behind the scenes for a lot of people, particularly for those who don't have kids, that have been uh, keeping really the, the church alive over the last uh, six months or so. And uh, for every Peter and Jackie, there are lots of others who are also just putting in, uh, in really hard yards of commitment and, and faithful service just to keep things uh, going. So uh, thank you uh, to you uh, all. Um, so Esther's going to be bringing us a message uh, very shortly. Um, it's been a curious week, I think, this week with um, lockdown sort of slightly uh, tightening. So I think Esther's message that she's going to bring is really uh, pertinent to that. So really looking forward uh, to uh, that. Um, it's important that you get one of these ready now, that you get a, a pen and paper ready for something we're going to be doing a little bit later on. Uh, so try and get that together over the next uh, couple of minutes would be uh, would be great. Um, that sounds quite good fun. It does sound quite good fun. Let's see. Um, so I think it's time for you. Shall I pray for you? Yeah, oh yes, please. Okay, good stuff. Father, thank you uh, for Esther. Thank you that you just made her so awesome, Lord. And um, I just uh, commit to you the words that she's about to bring. Thank you that you've put such a great word on her heart. Thank you that she's listened faithfully to you. And thank you, Lord, that um, just through uh, awesome technology, we can bring that word uh, this morning um, to everyone here, Lord. So thank you. Amen. Thanks, Paul. Okay, so um, without further ado, um, when I asked the Holy Spirit what I should bring this morning, um, he put something very um, definitely on my heart um, to talk about loneliness during this very strange time we've been going through. And actually I said, oh no, Lord, please not that, because that just sounds like a minefield. Um, uh, please give me something else. And um, he said, no, I really want you to talk about loneliness. I really want you to acknowledge something that a lot of people have been going through during this time. And um, so if I put any of this clumsily, that bit's me and I apologise. Please see my heart. I'm just trying to be obedient to what I think God is asking me to bring um, and if you just hear one thing this morning just want you to hear that if you are lonely and it, if you are lonely just hear this God has not forgotten you he loves you with a never-ending love he is cheering you on from the sidelines he um, 
he's oh cool. He loves you. He rejoices over you with singing and dancing. He cares about every big thing and every little thing that you care about. Um, and there is a lot of spiritual activity going on out there that we just don't always see. Even as Christians, we just don't discern everything that's going on. But God is going to move in your life. And that is what I pray that this morning um, you will hear God's voice and that there will be testimonies of his love to individuals um, through it. So um, a few weeks ago, Flick spoke and um, she um, talked about and acknowledged and honoured those people who'd been in caregiving roles during lockdown. Um, people who'd had children at home, they're homeschooling, working, running an all day kitchen, cafe, as life was just incredibly frenetic in some of our homes. Um, and I really felt God was asking me, I, I, that really touched me. That really, really touched me when Flick did that. And I think um, the Holy Spirit has asked me to do something similar for people who found themselves in a position of, of aloneness and loneliness. And there's very different types of loneliness. Um, it's not always massively obvious. Um, yes, it's obvious if someone lives alone and doesn't see a great number of people that they might be lonely. Um, they might not be lonely, actually. They, they might be fine, but um, through use of technology and that sort of thing, but obviously they, they're an obvious sort of candidate for this loneliness at the moment. But there can be people in all sorts of situations who experience loneliness. You know, you might be in a flat share with people you don't know that well. And it was fine when you were all going out to work and getting on with your everyday lives. But when you've been put together so constantly, you might it might actually exacerbate a feeling of isolation by having that proximity to that person. Um, there's people who um, might be at home with small children and their spouse might be off for very long days, you might be a single parent and you might be with a small child all day or children, but you might never be alone, but incredibly lonely. It's possible to be lonely and never alone. So this is for every type of loneliness, um, what I feel God is, has given me this morning. Um, so I just want to start by showing you through scripture that God hasn't caused this situation um, he's always sought intimacy with man and communion between men. Um, this virus is not from him. I think we all agree that with that. Uh, your aloneness, therefore, is not from him. Your situation is not from him. Um, from the beginning, God said it wasn't good for man to be alone. Um, Adam could walk in the cool of the evening with God, and yet God still recognised that Adam, even though he had God, um, he still needed human companionship and intimacy. He saw that need. And um, the enemy, from the very word go, has been doing his best to bring about a separation between God and man, obviously, but also between people. Um, and that he did quite a successful job through man's sin. Um, and God, through periods of time, has intervened to try and bring back that intimacy um, and break the power of that sin. He intervened with the flood. If you want to scripture reference that's in Genesis 6 and 7 um, and through time he eventually put in place lots of rules and laws um, regulations in Exodus and Leviticus um, that were to keep people safe um, and to try and um, enable a place where people could have communed, community and communion with each other and with God but in a safe way as, more, as there was more and more sin um, it got harder and harder to enter into holiness, in the, into the into God's presence and His holiness for everybody. Um, and 
similarly, um, the laws of Leviticus show that they were um, having to uh, keep distance between people to keep people safe. There was a, there's a lot on um, leprosy, keeping, um, isolating unclean people for all sorts of reasons, not just leprosy, you know, bodily discharge, all sorts of things. Um, there were lots and lots of um, rules about don't touch this, don't touch the offerings, the grain offerings, um, until you've undergone ceremonial cleansing. Um, there was um, only a few, you know, small number of people who could come into God's presence in the Holy of Holies, and that was once they had done all sorts of um, ceremonial rituals in order to be made good to come into that place. Um, and they even tied a rope around the priest's leg in case something had gone wrong in all of that ritual that meant uh, they were just going to drop dead in God's presence in his holiness and they'd have to pull this priest out right with the rope. But God, which are got to be two of the best words in the English language, but God so loved the world that he paid the ultimate price, he made the ultimate sacrifice of his one and only son in order to break down primarily the separation between God and man. Um, but between man and man, let's talk about God and man, Jesus drew crowds to himself even before his sacrifice on the cross. He broke, he broke the power of the law, the curse of the law as it became referred to in Galatians, with a love and compassion only he could do. He healed on the Sabbath, he talked with the Samaritan woman at the well, he dined with sinners, um, and then at his death he said, it's finished. There is no more separation between God and man. Satan will try and make you think there, there can be a separation between you and God, but that is finished. Um, and um, he paid the price so high that not only can we go before his throne any time, any place that we want, um, he sent his spirit to indwell our hearts so that we could go from a place of visitation to inhabitation um, he couldn't have broken down the barrier anymore. Um, but as well as restoring intimacy between God and his people, Jesus fulfilled the law, it says in Matthew 5 verse 7, and brought a new covenant of grace and power for believers, which meant as well as allowing people to come into his presence, it meant he could also send out his disciples to people who'd been formerly shunned. Um, and uh, for example, in Matthew 10, 8, um, it, Jesus said, Heal the sick, cleanse the lepers, raise the dead, cast out demons. And in Mark 16, verse 17 to 18, he said, In my name they will cast out demons, they will speak with new tongues, they will take up serpents, and if they drink anything deadly, it will be by no means hurt them. They will lay hands on the sick and they will recover. Um, he also brought about the process of bringing his people together into one physical body, which will one day be the glorious bride. Suggesting not just a closeness between believers, not just that I can touch now someone who's sick, um, but that we become one, we have a unity. Um, and in 1 Corinthians 12, verse 20, it says, Now indeed there are many members, yet one body. So this unity comes through Jesus' sacrifice. But the enemy keeps doing what he does, and he keeps trying to bring about separation. He'll try and think that you're separated from God too, but that let's just say we, we we know that that has been dealt with but he's trying to separate us from each other and um i don't think i know of a time when he's been so successful in our generation at doing something like this this is the strangest time i think most of us have lived through um and i think yeah he's done quite well at separating people from each other um 
thankfully we have got technology we can do church um we can do loads on zoom praise god we can meet in small groups at the moment of six or fewer which is really important um but this is still pretty limiting we're still encouraged or rather required to keep two meters away from people which leaves some people with very little physical comfort which is really important um and i think you know there's some very vulnerable and lonely people who are already in that position and now it's even worse i don't think any of us need to start plowing through academic studies which i have done by the way to see the negative impact of loneliness on health, on well-being, on absolutely everything. Um, there's loads of stats I could tell them to, to you, but I'm not going to because I don't want to prophesy any of that stuff over us. Um, quite the reverse. We've been standing on Psalm 91 for our physical protection. And I think we need to remember um, that uh, his wings are there for our um, protection, not just the physical, but the emotional, the mental, mm. all of it. Um, we can seek protection on those wings but i said to the holy spirit i said that's good that's fine i can acknowledge that there are people who are lonely we can talk about these things we can i can think of practical things how do i comfort and encourage yes we phone each other phone phone each other if you're lonely phone someone else phone someone you think might be lonely um meet with small numbers of people where you can where you feel safe to do so that's not everyone can there are some people who are in real dust desperate places and know that's not possible for you we're going to get, get to that in a minute if you can join a support bubble i really encourage you to do that to feel a squeeze of a hand a hug with those people you're allowed if you're a single person with if you've got children under 18 you're a single person you can join a support bubble if you're an, a person a single person living alone you can join a support bubble i really strongly encourage you to do that but I kept asking the Holy Spirit I just feel like people need more than my words saying that yes you are the comforter and the helper and jesus said it was better that he should go so the helper could come the comforter could come and um she said oh lord i just i just need more than this if i've got to speak on this and he gave me a verse we're going to go to you might want to find it now 1 corinthians 13 we're going to look at 13 and 14 um and he gave me that verse that says um now we see in a mirror dimly but then i shall know you just as i am known and i thought okay okay we don't have all the answers you know we're living in times where we don't see everything clearly eventually we will i was like oh lord please more more and he said keep reading keep reading so i'm going to go from verse nine i think it is let me just check that so i don't see anyone else yeah so verse nine um so for we know in part and we prophesy in part but when that which is perfect has come, then that which is in part will be done away. When I was a child, I spoke as a child, I understood as a child, I thought as a child, but when I became a man, I put away childish things. For now we see in the mirror dimly, but then face to face. Now I know in part, but then I shall know just as also I am known. And now abide faith, hope, love, these three, but the greatest of these is love. Pursue love and desire spiritual gifts. I've moved into chapter 14, just in case you think you lost. Um, pursue love and desire spiritual gifts, but especially that you may prophesy. For he who speaks in a tongue does not speak to men, but to God, for no one understands him. However, in the spirit he, he speaks mysteries. But he who prophesies speaks edification and exhortation and comfort to men. He who speaks in a tongue edifies himself. But he who prophesies edifies the church. 
I wish you all spoke with tongues, but even more that you prophesied. For he who prophesies is greater than he who speaks in tongues, unless indeed he interprets that the church may receive edification. Now, this passage is talking about the importance of speaking tongues and prophesying. Um, interestingly, it talks about them in the context of being tools that we should use while we wait for that which is perfect to come. And I think we would all agree that there has been a seismic shift in the feeling of time rocketing towards the time when Jesus will come again. We are in that place waiting for that which is perfect to come. And so this, this um, tongues and prophesying is what I feel God is guiding us towards um, in order that he can lead us and help us and comfort us as a body and as individuals. Um, I just want to share something really interesting, a bit of an aside, that Reneth says one of the names um, used for the Holy Spirit, um, guide, literally means tour guide. Um, he's that person who knows um, his way around. He knows the places that are good to go to, the places you should avoid. He can lead you through like a tour guide. Um, and I think it's really important that we remember that. So um, I think this is absolutely key and I am preaching to myself here because I do not do this enough but I really feel that this is a time we should be praying in tongues as much as we possibly can. Um, I think it's going to sh open up a world that we haven't yet seen, that it will enable people to feel a physical presence of God on them that you haven't felt before, an intimacy with God that you've never experienced before, that will um, bring a peace that surpasses all understanding. Now, I know it's a bit strange in this passage because Paul sounds like he's doing down speaking in tongues in favour of prophesying, but he's speaking in the context of a church meeting and um, he's saying that you have to think about other people in a meeting. Um, it's no good speaking tongues if no one knows what you're talking about, but actually it's on an individual level, praying in tongues is absolutely invaluable for you. We know that. He, he said in this passage, he who speaks in tongues edifies himself. Um, I wish you all spoke in tongues. Uh, later on, he says in uh, verse 18, thank God, I, I thank God I speak in tongues more than all of you. This is a good thing to do. Uh, it's another place. Jude um, talks um, in the book of Jude, says, build yourself up on your most holy faith, praying in the Holy Spirit. We know, we've, we've had this stuff, praying in tongues is really good for you. So I think this is one thing we do in our alone time, in our prayer times, actually all the time. Um, and um, yeah, I think do it in the shower, do it, do it when you're making a cup of tea, do it in the car, um, do it all the time and um, it's going to open up the kingdom. Can we, is it possible to get Paul the picture of Andromeda, the Andromeda galaxy up? Now um, many of you know that um, Paul is really into astronomy, he did astronomy at university and um, it's a love of his and um, he's got all sorts of telescopes and binoculars and cameras and that sort of thing and um, it's really remarkable that with his um, telescope that is not something university standard obviously it's not the Hubble with this telescope that he's just bought off the internet or whatever um with a camera he can take pictures have we got this picture up now Paul? he can take a picture like this now the this is taken from our garden one night when I went up out and I looked up and you could see a few stars and darkness and that was it 
Whereas with this, not massively expensive, not super powered, not the Hubble telescope, telescope on a fairly normal camera, he's taken this picture, which shows the most amazing picture of the Andromeda galaxy. And I just want you to look at that and think about what else is out there, what is in the spiritual realm that we haven't even tasted yet, because it's there for us. And um, yeah, I, I think speaking in tongues is going to open up this galaxy, this kingdom to us. Um, right, thanks Paul. So the second thing that this passage I've read from Corinthians talks about is prophesying. And I think this is the second um, way that God is going to help us through this time. And prophesying is a huge and I think really interesting topic. I'm, I'm really fascinated in this topic. And I haven't got time just to go into that. I didn't feel like that's what God wanted me just to explicitly talk about. But in this context of um, comfort to other people, um, it's really interesting that tongues and prophesying in many a scripture go together. They're like these two things you do together. Now, um, just want to remind us of a few fundamental things um, which this passage um, that we've already read helps to address. So in verse three, it talks about the main purpose of prophesying. Uh, gives us three reasons. One, to edify, that means help, teach, do someone some good. Exhort, uh, to encourage someone to do something good was the definition I found, and comfort. Prophesying now isn't usually for you to tell someone else to do something. Um, it's not for you to say, oh, I really feel God's telling you to move to South America. Um, I would be really wary if anyone said something like that to me. Now, if you're really prophetic, you might get something that God's given you for someone else to confirm something that God has already said to that person. Um, so, for example, let's say that person was thinking about moving to South America. You might start it with, I know this sounds really strange, but I just feel like God has put it onto my heart. But take it or leave it. You weigh it up. You, you give it to God. But I feel like God is saying to me that there might be something in South America for you. You know, has God said anything to you about that? But that's not, you know, that is quite unusual. And I, I'll stick clear of that unless you feel God is really, really speaking that to you. The second thing about prophesying is it has to always be done in love. I know that sounds really obvious, um, but this um, passage is set completely in the context of love. It says it starts with pursue love first in um, uh, chapter 14. And um, chapter 13 is that very famous passage about even if I burn my own body, if I don't do it with love, it's pointless. This is set in the context of love. So if you're going to prophesy over someone, um, do it in love. Uh, the third thing is that um, Hebrews starts by talking about how God used to speak to people through prophets, but now he's spoken to us by his son. Um, so the nature of prophecy has changed from Old Testament to New Testament. And if you prophesy over somebody, it needs to echo Jesus. He said he has spoken to us by his son. Um, yeah, so when you prophesy, it needs to echo Jesus and it needs to echo his heart and his heartbeat. Finally, um, I think we're all a lot more prophetic than we realise. Um, Christians and non, the words we speak shape our future. Um, I'm not saying we can never admit that we've got a problem or a worry um but be careful what you speak over yourself over your kids over other people um 
what you speak so to seed and it will come to pass um luke 6 45 says a good man out of the good treasure of his heart brings forth good and an evil man out of the evil treasure of his heart brings forth evil for out of the abundance of the heart his mouth speaks um this person um, you might want to look him up on we listen regularly to charles Capps, who talks a lot about this really really persuasive um just indisputable that what you say sows a seed for your future so be very careful when you're prophesying over someone that you are sowing good seed that it is encouraging edifying comforting um it's done in love it's echoing jesus's heartbeat um and um yeah doing someone some good so before i hand over to paul i actually want to finish with a very short semi prophetic prayer, particularly over those individuals who um, God put so heavily on my heart, who've been suffering from acute loneliness um, through this time. Sorry if I'm, I kind of will need to read my prayer because I wanted it to be very carefully worded. Um, it's deliberately based on Isaiah 61, which I love, um, which Jesus read in, when he went to the synagogue. And then when he finished, he said today, this scripture is fulfilled in your hearing. Just awesome. So, Father, thank you for your power, for the power of your goodness in our lives. Thank you that you came to heal the brokenhearted, that you give beauty for ashes and oil of joy for mourning. I ask in the name of your son, Jesus, that you will show us great and mighty things of your kingdom that we have not known that we will hear testimonies of your physical comfort, of your arms of love for your people. And I declare the members of faith life to be trees of righteousness, which you have planted for your glory. Amen. Paul. Awesome. Thanks, Dusty. Can you take the Bible with you? Oh, I'm yeah. To uh, uh -huh. this stuff here. That's awesome. I told you it would be good. Um, Fantastic. Well, um, something, something I want to share sort of off the back of that, um, that um, over the last sort of few weeks, really, um, I've had on my heart um, from God, but actually it was a seed that was planted by, by Mark in something he said a while ago, um, around um, sort of the power of distractions in our life, the, the negative power of distractions in our lives. And um, I've sort of been exploring that with, with the Holy Spirit and, and, and just talking to people about distractions. And as it happens, um, it's also a, a topic that, that's come up um, at, at my work. And we've been exploring distractions and, and how to, to, to deal with those. And um, I, I just feel that there's a few uh, things that Esther said that, um, that, that are relevant to this and, 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 and vice versa. So I just thought I, I would share them now. Um, the seed for this, if you're wondering what that was, was... Um, a few weeks ago, Mark um, was, uh, was, was talking about um, how to kick the devil out of your, your life. And there was a really um, good comment he made around um, starting your day right. And he talked about um, how um, he had put in place mechanisms in, in, in his life where you know, he doesn't look at Facebook until 10 in the morning or midday or whatever the, the times were. And he doesn't look at his phone until a certain time of the day so that he makes sure he starts his day with a routine that um, is, is focused around God and around the Holy Spirit. So he gets up and he 
he, 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 he sits with his, his Bible and he asks the Holy Spirit to give him revelation and then he doesn't really move from that until he, he, he gets it, which is fantastic. And not all of us can necessarily have the time to do that. If you've got kids running down the stairs who need to go to school and those sort of things, it's not necessarily practical for all of us. And, and you know, we would hope that Mark is, is, is doing this a lot and, and I can definitely vouch that, that he does. But I think there are some really important lessons there for us all. And, and that was really the seed that, that, that I got because I used to try to do that. It's not the first time Mark has suggested that as, as, as a routine. Um, and I realized when he said it, that routine of mine um, has, has dropped away and it's come and gone over the years. But right now where, where I was when Mark said it was, it was very much um, dropped away um, out of my life. And it, it, my, 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 my speaking to God about that led to um, this, um, um, this, this few words around um, distractions. Um, I'm going to start just by reading something from um, Proverbs uh, chapter 4, Proverbs chapter 4, um, verse 25. It says, um, let your eyes look straight ahead and your eyelids look right before you. Ponder the path of your feet and let all your ways be established. Do not turn to the right or left, remove your foot from evil. And that you've probably heard that passage before. And it's used as um, an example of what distraction or how to avoid distraction in your life, to focus on God and to focus on the ways that God's um, set you on. But how do you do that? What does that mean? I think um, distraction is uh, just a classic trick of, of the enemy. But I think it also comes in some very subtle ways where actually we are contributing to the enemy's work. And I think that's the less obvious, really dangerous thing that we can sometimes get ourselves um, into. Distraction has been used for years by people in the military. Famously, um, Napoleon used to use distraction against his enemies. They always, they always seem to fall for it as well. No matter how many times he used distraction, they always seem to, 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 to fall for it. There's an example where uh, he had to um, cross, he needed his armies to cross over um, a river. And uh, so he sent a small party of people um, to a particular crossing point of the river to draw all of the enemies troops and all the enemy's troops focused on that one small party, you know, not many people, maybe 50, 100 um, um, people who went to that because the enemy thought that all of Napoleon's troops were going to be going there. And that was where he was focusing his effort. And while the enemy was drawn to that skirmish, um, he sent all the rest of his many, many thousands of troops a little bit further up the river and they crossed completely uncontested further up the river. So it's the power of distraction that, 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 that gained uh, Napoleon ground in that particular um, battle. I think there's a number of ways that we personally can get um, distracted. The obvious way, and it's not what I'm going to talk about uh, today, is sin. You know, the obvious distraction, it pulls us away from God, pulls us away from people, really, really obvious. And, and, and I don't, I think we, we know um, when the devil is doing that in our, in our lives. But even um, just taking our eyes off Jesus in everything we do, mm. um, even for an instant, and even in ways we don't necessarily realise, um, can cause us uh, damage in our lives. And I think particularly nowadays, and it will come as no surprise, I think mobile phones are a key source mm. of that. Um, and even the things on our mobile phones that are meant to bring us closer to God, we, most of us have um, Bible apps on our phones, on our iPads, I'm using an iPad um, here, 
and ostensibly they're great things. But how often when you're uh, reading the Bible on your iPad, does a notification come up and you just can't help but be drawn away um, by that notification. So those sort of notifications and distractions in our life are, 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 are potentially a, a huge problem. And increasingly now in, in the workplace, people are encouraged to turn off emails, to check them maybe twice a day rather than having them constantly distracting you as you um, do your, um, your work. With those notifications and distractions in, in place, we just can't hear that voice of God. God doesn't shout at us. He talks to us quietly until we listen. And so we've got to, you know, Psalm 46 says, be still and know that I am God. We've got to find a place in our lives where we can be still. And I believe that even the busiest people have moments in their day. They might be short. They might be shorter than we would like. But, but if you think how much information and how much encouragement God can cram into just a tiny, tiny amount of time, we need to be trying to carve those uh, those little periods out. I think as well, and I think this is where uh, a lot of us fall into this, we can't try and justify that distraction because ostensibly those distractions are, are, are good things. Um, I remember um, when I started my, my current job, my boss at the time was based in, uh, in Australia. Um, immediately before I started my job, I had a really good routine with getting up, um, um, spending time in the Bible, uh, journaling, listening to God, and I felt like I was in a really good place. I started my job, and because of the time difference, 11 hours at the time, um, I used to have to spend time in the morning, always getting up and going straight on to video calls to maximise the amount of overlap time with, uh, with, with my boss. And that was my excuse about why all that fell away, and it never got picked up um, subsequently. There's no harm in working hard in speaking with your boss and that sort of thing. But as it happens then, that was subtly drawing me away from that relationship that I was building with, um, with, with, with God. And the classic biblical example is, is, is Martha. I think Martha, in a way, gets a very bad reputation in, in, in the Bible because when, of when Jesus uh, corrected her, and he corrected her, he didn't rebuke her. Um, but she was um, busy doing things which all of us would probably say, good, if Jesus was turning up in your house tomorrow, you'd probably do the hoovering, you'd dust, you'd make sure that there was enough food in the fridge and, and that sort of thing. She was doing all those things which probably um, all of us would do. And she knew the power of Jesus. Martha was uh, the brother, the sister rather, of, of Lazarus. She'd seen her brother um, raised from the dead. She knew what Jesus could do and what, what he could bring. And yet even her, having seen that amazing um, power of Jesus, um, missed the point and, 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 and got led into the distractions of, of busyness, which weren't in themselves bad, but were less good than spending that time with Jesus and hearing what um, Jesus had uh, to say. Um, so that's at the individual level. Something which I think we need to be cautious of as well as a body is getting distracted as well. And by that, I don't just mean faith life on its own, although it is relevant to, to, to us, but I mean as a body globally and as a church, um, globally. Um, we often, and I think the internet has um, made this worse, we often get distracted and drawn into skirmishes which sort of miss the point of what the gospel is all about and what Jesus um, came for. And we get drawn into intellectual arguments on forums or responding to people or trying to 
uh, rationally argue for Jesus with, with people, whereas we know that um, that's not the way the Holy Spirit um, touches people. In uh, it's, it's the US election season at the moment, and this isn't a political comment, but generally speaking, Christians in the US are known for viewpoints on two particular areas, gay marriage and, and, and being um, pro-life. And there's so much more to the gospel than those things, but the enemy uses those as distractions in order that the actual message of the gospel fails to get through. And even uh, as faith life, we sometimes receive uh, inquiries inbound, which are effectively just attempts to distract us and to, to almost to trap us as, as a leadership team into um, um, either arguments or um, uh, discussion about uh, areas and topics where you know we're probably never going to agree with the world and uh, those distractions we have to be very careful to um, avoid. And I think we sometimes don't realise the potential damage that that uh, distraction, all those distractions, the good ones and bad ones, um, can cause us. And Hebrews talks about that in um, chapter 12, Hebrews chapter 12, and it's verse 12 and, and 13. Verse 12 says, Therefore strengthen the hands which hang down and the feeble knees, and make straight paths for your feet, so that what is lame may not be dislocated, but rather be healed. So distraction tends to focus on where we're lame. Distraction tends to focus on damaging further those areas in our lives where we potentially have weakness. Um, and we just have to be very aware of the damage that it can cause. You know, it can cause, um, it can cause those lame parts to be dislocated. It can make matters worse. So it is really important to us as individuals and as a body are conscious and aware of the tactics and the tricks that the enemy tries to play um, against us here. Um, even in everyday life, reading uh, your Bible on your phone and getting notifications and that sort of thing, you know, we, um, it says in, um, in Matthew chapter 6 that we cannot serve two masters, that we can't serve God and mammon, or as I've written on my iPad here, madmen. Um, we have to just be conscious that we need to focus. We need to focus on the Holy Spirit. We need to focus on what God is saying in our lives. And we need to just um, be keep checking ourselves and each other on whether the things we're doing, the thoughts we're having, are building us up and encouraging us towards what God has created us for or distracting us away so that we become ineffective um, in the world. Um, whenever I've spoken to people about uh, distractions, particularly in the workplace, but I, 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 it's an interesting um, parallel, I think, for, for life outside of work, is we often think that's okay because I can just quickly deal with that text message that came in, or I can quickly, um, I can quickly, you know, I can do um, the, the, the ironing or something at the same time as listening to a preach and taking it all in and that sort of thing. But actually, um, it's really difficult to do those two things at once. And I've got a little uh, exercise, which I have completely stolen from somebody else. This isn't my idea, um, which is just designed to show you how difficult it is, um, in fact, to do those two things um, at once. So hopefully you will have a chance now to get a pen and paper uh, from earlier. Quickly rush and go and get one uh, now. And there are going to be three things that I want you to do, okay? And I'm going to time each of them. Each of them is going to take 20 seconds, okay? 20 seconds of your time. Um, so the first thing I want you to do on your uh, pen and paper 
and I'll be timing it in a second, and don't start until I've said to go, um, is just to write out numbers, so chronological numbers, one, two, three, four, five, six, just in a column um, as quickly as you can and just see where you get to after 20 seconds. So I'm going to start my clock now. And stop, stop. Okay, so um, probably did pretty well on that. Pretty easy exercise. What's he trying to uh, prove? Very difficult to work that out. You probably got somewhere in the region of, of maybe somewhere between 30 and, and 50, something, something like that, maybe. Maybe a little bit higher. Um, you can perhaps put what number you got in the, uh, in, in the little chat thing on Facebook if you really want to show off, if you've got a good score. Um, and now um, I need you to do the same thing with letters. Okay, so I'm going to time you again, A, B, C, D, E, F, G. Hopefully you all know your alphabet. Um, I'm going to time for 20 seconds and see where you get to on your marks. Go. And stop. Okay, well, I guess those who are particularly impressive may have got through to uh, starting again. You probably got to Z. I probably should have told you then start again and see how far you get down the, uh, the alphabet, a second, alphabet a second time. But you probably feel pretty good about life. You probably think you did pretty well there. So the next thing I want you to do, they're two pretty easy exercises, is I want you to uh, see how far you can get um, doing the first, first number, then the first letter. So you go, a, one, B, two, C, three. And do that and see how far you get in 20 seconds. So are you ready? Go. And stop. How did you go on? You're probably not feeling quite so uh, quite so clever now, eh? <laughs> but um, that was just a bit of fun. But the, the point is um, that we often convince ourselves it's possible uh, to do two things at once and that distractions don't really matter. And there are some distractions which are trivial and aren't impacting on, on what we're doing and our relationship with, with God. But the truth is that even on a silly little exercise like that, the, you can see the power of distraction on something so simple. Just imagine how much more um, the impact is of distraction um, with things that really um, matter in life. So how does this uh, tie into what um, Esther was saying? Esther talks about the power of speaking in, uh, in tongues and how speaking in tongues builds you up on your most holy faith. Your spirit, if you're born again, is perfect. It is uh, constantly in communion with the Holy Spirit. It's, it's one with the Holy Spirit. And um, when we speak in tongues, we speak um, spirit to spirit with, with God. And it is impossible, if you speak in tongues, for you to be distracted in your spirit. So speaking in tongues is a fantastic way, um, even if you're driving, even if you're doing the ironing or anything like that, if you're speaking in tongues, despite that physical distraction, 
where your mind is potentially not able to focus on God. Your spirit will be being nourished even further and communing with the Holy Spirit, and you'll build yourself up. That's really the message from, from that, is speaking in tongues is such an important uh, part of, of, of life as a, as, a, as a Christian. And some of you um, may never have spoken in tongues before. You might be scared. I remember the first time, I remember the first time I was in a church where someone uh, spoke in tongues and I very nearly ran out the door and didn't come back. But I remember the first time I tried personally to speak in tongues and I felt very self-conscious. I felt um, like I was making it up. Um, but over time, it became more natural and I could tell I was being built up. I could tell I, I, I was making myself closer to, to God. He had already made himself really close to me, but I was more in tune with what the Holy Spirit was doing. So I just really, really encourage uh, you to do that. And I really thank Esther for the brilliant message that, um, that she gave um, earlier. Um, and that's it for this week. Um, really nice to kind of see not see you all. Um, we're looking forward to actually seeing some of you properly when we're able to. We're not sure when that's going to be yet as a, as a, as a mass of, of people, but hopefully um, we can, uh, we, hopefully that won't be too far away, but we'll just have to, uh, to wait and see. But in the meantime, seeing you all on, on Zoom and on Facebook is, uh, is great. So um, have a fantastic week. Have a great week, everybody. Be blessed. And um, there's so much that I think we've prepared that you don't get everything across you. I said, the moment I sat down, I thought, oh, I forgot to say so and so. I forgot to. But I really hope that's blessed you. And um, please pray on it and ask God for to speak to you on some of these things um, because He will. Yeah, he will. That's absolutely right. It was funny. I had a moment of really missing everybody when Paul was doing his "On Your Marks, Get Set, Go" because he actually said "On Your Marks, Go," and I thought, oh, if we'd been in church, someone would have called out, "Hey, you didn't say so your marks, yeah, get set, yeah. go." And that's the advantage of doing this. You know, uh, doing this recorded is well. You don't get quite so much. Heckling. You don't get the heckling. You get it you, from, there's, no much, there's not so much fun, is there? Without it's not as much fun. Here. But um, anyway, we hope that uh, bless you all. This yeah. morning. Um, have a great week, um, and uh, looking forward to catching up. Um, when we can. So bye everybody. Bye everybody.